0: Welcome everybody to the Pac-Man Podcast, Patriotic American Citizen. I'm Ted Flint on the BMG Network. And before we get started, let me remind you, if you uh, you do me a big favor, hit like, subscribe, and share. And when we get done with the program, if you uh, like what you heard, you can leave a comment in the comment section. We appreciate it. Let's begin with the January 6th select committee, or as Donald Trump calls it, the unselect committee. I had a chance to see the opening uh, I guess you'd call it a hearing, last week, Liz Cheney uh, chaired the uh, committee meeting or whatever it is, hearing, and it was a dog and pony show. It's like, you're kidding me. They think people are watching this. Nobody's watching it. The ratings came out. I was reading in red state. The ratings are so low. It's, it, it, nobody, nobody is watching it. Who would, in their right mind, watch it anyway? Middle of June. I mean, some NPR people are no doubt watching it and CNN people. Most Americans have other things to do. So anyway, we'll get to the, uh, that first hearing. There's going to there's gonna be another one. I guess there was one scheduled for tomorrow, Wednesday. As I record this, it's Tuesday evening. That, that's been canceled. We'll get to that in just a second. Jim Jordan, who is a butt kicker, he is a Republican from Ohio. He was on one of the Sunday talk shows. I think it was on Fox. And he reminded Americans that the committee from which he was barred from serving, by the way, has altered evidence And he's vowing to hold every single member accountable. He apparently was referring to an altered text message exchange he had with then uh, White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. But others have said that there are many other examples of the committee's selective editing and omissions to fit the narrative and the charge that Donald Trump somehow orchestrated a violent insurrection in order to stay in power. The whole thing is nonsense. And Jordan said, I want to see all the documents. I want to see all the depositions. Who's ever responsible for this is going to have to answer for it. Jordan also noted the ranking member of the committee, Republican Representative Rodney Davis, Illinois Republican, has already sent a preservation letter to the panel so the American people can get the full story, as he said, not just this one-sided choreographed presentation that we got the other night. And his reference was to the uh, primetime hearing, which was, I think, a last thursday or a week ago thursday that was pro- by the way was produced by a former abc news producer produced this presentation for the house select committee this goes to show you the media is in the tank for the democratic party it, it always has been but since trump came on the scene it's things are a lot more clear the whole thing is just a waste of time and a, a waste of taxpayer money this is not a, as i've said on on social media And I would say to anybody who would listen, this is not about January 6th, 2020. This is about November 2024. They're trying to cripple Donald Trump because they know, they suspect he's running again. And if he does run, he will win. That's their biggest fear. They already impeached him twice. What can they do to him? But Jordan said the committee has altered evidence and lied to the American people about it. No big newsbreaker there. So much so that they had to issue a statement which says, we regret the error, which is government speak, for we got caught lying. So that's what this committee is about, said Jordan. I think the country sees it for what it is, and I think they do too. A lot of America is not clued into what's going on, but I think more and more people are beginning to see what's happening here. This is a partisan political witch hunt, and it's gonna come back to bite the Dems in November, if not sooner. Last December, the committee admitted it altered a text message between Jordan and Meadows. That changed the context. There you go, I mean, they admitted it. Independent investigative journalist, Julie Kelly, I'm reading from a piece here from World Net Daily, who has reported extensively on January 6th, pointed to testimony last Thursday night that omitted evidence regarding Ray Epps. He's the figure seen in a lot of these videos you see on social media. He orchestrated the breach of the Capitol. He hasn't been indicted by the Justice Department, why not? The January 6th committee claiming the Proud Boys was part of a grand conspiracy directed by Trump featured the testimony of Capitol Police Officer Caroline Edwards Thursday night. Edwards mentioned video showing a Pennsylvania man, Ryan Samsel, whispering in the ear of Proud Boys member Joe Biggs before the first breach of the Capitol perimeter. But missing in her testimony, conspicuously missing, is the fact that there is also video evidence showing Epps whispering into the ear of Samsel immediately before Samsel whispered in Biggs's ear. You following this? Another video shows Epps the night before urging Trump supporters to break into the Capitol the next day while people around him chanted, Fed, Fed, I, that's the video I saw. They're saying, this guy's a Fed. Revolver News has reported evidence that FBI informants and Antifa operatives turned a peaceful rally into a riot, spotlighting the role of Epps. In a follow-up report, Revolver News presented evidence backed by videos and images that there were others who worked in tandem with Epps to orchestrate the break-in. I believe that's what happened. The The whole mess was orchestrated. That gathering, for the most part, was peaceful. There were thousands and thousands of people there. There were about 100, 150 people maybe bent on doing destruction. And some of the people that were hauled in and, and uh, jailed were not formally charged for months. They sat in a prison cell, deprived of their constitutional rights. So much here to get to. I, I, I don't want to spend the entire program on this, but the select committee said it canceled Wednesday's hearing because it needed more time for quote-unquote technical work. But President Trump said he knows otherwise. Word out, this is what Trump tweeted word out that the reason the unselects have canceled at Wednesday's kangaroo court is a total lack of interest, leading to very poor television ratings. Could this be so? Maybe they should try getting a more talented Hollywood producer than the former president of ABC fake news. He didn't do so well. Nobody does it like Trump. See, that's why they're, they're afraid of him. He speaks directly to the American people, and he cuts through all the chase. The committee had planned to hold hearings Wednesday of this week and Thursday, but they dropped Wednesday's hearing without a rescheduled date for it. In other words, I guess a number of muckety-mucks due to uh, appear before the committee. They will at some point. Maybe, maybe Thursday's meeting will go off. I don't know. Anyway, the other big news here in New York State, there is a uh, gubernatorial contest coming up in the fall, and there are three Republicans. Well, I think there may be more than three, but three main Republicans are in the running for the uh, the nomination. Lee Zeldin, he is a Congressman from Long Island, former New York State Senator. He is the, I guess, the leader, and he was the target of last night's debate. He was attacked by the other candidates, and uh, I guess there are four, three other Republican candidates. They're, they're looking to make an impression uh, ahead of the uh, June 28th primary. So Zeldin, I didn't see the debate, but I heard about it this morning, and I guess Zeldin and a couple of the other candidates were on a local talk show. And he had some pretty fiery exchanges with the two other candidates on stage with him. Businessman Harry Wilson and former Westchester County exec Rob Astorino. Andrew Giuliani, Rudy Giuliani's son, appeared virtually because he was out of compliance with the COVID-19 protocols. In other words, he hasn't been vaccinated. My wife and I heard this this morning and my wife's got a newfound love of, of Giuliani. She's, she's pulling for Giuliani, Andrew Giuliani. He appears weak to me. He's not like his father. But he hasn't been vaxxed, so I guess he's going to win support in some quarters. But anyway, uh, Astorino ran a few years ago; he came up short, and he's you know he's a pretty conservative county executive in Westchester, and Westchester has a three-to-one Democratic enrollment advantage. And Astorino has you know has gotten elected more than once. And uh, and I, from, I don't know much about Harry Wilson. He's a he's a multi-millionaire. From what I hear and read about him, I like him. I, I heard this morning he's pro-choice. I don't like that about him. But he is, I, you know, he's got a lot of money. He spends his own money on his campaign. And he's more, not socially conservative, but he's more of, I think, what New York needs. A businessman who would know how to run the state like a business, like Trump did with the federal government, as much as he could. And I, I don't like Zeldin. Zeldin is a liberal. He's, he, he voted with Andrew Cuomo, all Cuomo's tax increases. And spending increases, he voted right with. He voted for the Safe Act, Zeldin. That alone, for me, I, I would never vote for Zeldin. I wouldn't vote. I mean, that's I wouldn't vote at all. I wouldn't vote for Huckle, obviously. Looking at the three, and like I said, I, I don't know a lot about Harry Wilson. I like what I hear about Harry Wilson. He is somebody. I I don't know what it is about him. I know he's brash. He's, you know, he came off as being kind of arrogant. I didn't see the debate. My wife was telling me about it. But Zeldin, for, he's weak. He's weak in the knees. He's a liberal Republican, four-term congressman. And uh, he's been the lead candidate in, in the party for months. We'll see how it shakes out. I like what I heard from Astorino today. I, I had not heard that much from him as I did this morning. He's pretty he's pro-life, pro-Second Amendment. Uh, and, you know, I, my daughter was uh, <laughs> had her picture taken with a couple of the candidates, with, with Giuliani. For one, and uh, up in Glens Falls when he was up there, but Giuliani seems like a nice guy. Seems you know he's kind of young. He has a baby face. I don't know how old a guy he is, but uh, if he's anything like his father, he would be. He'd be good for New York State. I don't know his politics. I, I apologize. I should know. I will certainly. But whoever we'll see who wins the uh, this race on the twenty eighth this primary. All right. What else is happening? Uh, Governor Hochul today signed a set of divisive and extremely. I think, uh, progressive, and I hate that word progressive, these abortion-related bills. And uh, New York State is becoming, I think, the abortion capital of the country for whatever reason. Why is it so important that a woman has unfettered access to these abortion clinics where she can take the life of her unborn baby? Whether it's legal or not, it's not going to stop abortion. And if people want to get an abortion, they can still come to New York State. But the left is flipping out because they know or they suspect that the U.S. Supreme Court will overturn Roe v. Wade. I hope it does. And kick it back to the States, where it should have been done. That should have been done in 1973. At the very least, it's bad law. It was poorly written. And it's it's unconstitutional, frankly, Roe v. Wade. It's time has come. And people here in New York, are, you know, Hochul, she's pandering to, to left-wing uh, uh, interests, and she's pro-abortion. We know she's anti-gun, signed a, a bunch of gun bills, anti-gun bills, I should say. And, uh, but of all the bad bills the governor signed today, the pregnancy center report bill is probably the worst. It would impose these onerous and uh, disruptive data collection and reporting requirements upon pro-life pregnancy centers to allow the state to study them because the state doesn't want pro-life centers in operation. They want to put them out of operation. They want to put them out of business. This is a, it's a spiritual battle in which we're engaged. It's a spiritual battle. It's a battle of good against evil, light against darkness. Ephesians 6, the Bible tells us, Paul writes in Ephesians, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's what this is. This is abortion is pure unadulterated evil. It's extremism. And it's, it's forcing taxpayers to pay for it. New York state is I don't know what we're, what's going to save the state. I think we, we may be too far gone. You know, we're looking at Republicans as like, well, maybe Lee Zeldin if he wins will 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 save New York or you know, Andrew Giuliani or Rob Astorino. No politician is going to save us, folks. We need to draw close to God. I'm not a preacher, but I believe in my heart that what's going on is, as I mentioned, a spiritual battle. We can't look to any one politician or a party to save us. We've got to do it ourselves with the help of the Lord. We go to him, we pray, and we get involved politically. I've said this before. You no, know, everybody's so focused on what's going on in Washington. We'll get to what's going on in Washington with our our illustrious president in just a second. We need to focus on our lo- local boards: school board, town board, village board, planning board. Get involved. Know what they're doing. Know what your school is teaching your children. That's where you start at the local level, and then and then work up. It's nice to focus focus on the presidential elections and the gubernatorial contests. I mean, I you know, it's my living. I, I I'm a commentator. That's what I do but it's more important to be involved locally. All right, let's let's uh, let's switch gears here, and talk about the president and his, uh, his disastrous policies on energy. You know, I don't care what he says about it's Putin's war in the Ukraine or Putin's price hikes causing inflation. This is, everything this guy does is wrong. His energy policies are what's driving up the cost of a gallon of gasoline. He told us what he was gonna do. There should be no surprises. Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in a Biden administration? No, we would we would, we would work it, it out. <laughs> we would make sure it's eliminated. No more drilling on federal lands. No more drilling, including offshore. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period. I guarantee you, we're going to end fossil fuel. What about, say, stopping fracking and stopping yeah. New yeah. pipeline infrastructure? No more, no new fracking. We are going to get rid of fossil fuels. I've argued against uh, any more oil drilling or gas drilling on federal lands. No one's going to build a coal-fired plant again, and we're going to get rid of the ones we have now. Have a transition from the oil industry, yes. Would you be willing to sacrifice some of that growth, even knowing potentially that it could displace thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of blue-collar workers in the interest of transitioning to that greener economy? The answer is yes. The answer is you're a moron. Some of those... Some of those comments were during the uh, debates in 2020 with uh, President Trump. I mean there you have it. I mean it is uh, it's not a, it's not brain surgery. He's told us what he planned to do when he was running for president, now he's doing it. No more drilling on federal lands, no more oil leases on federal lands. No more coal-fired plants. What do, what do you think that does to the cost of uh, of gasoline? When during the pandemic people weren't driving, as I mentioned I think last time, so demand for gasoline was low. Now, people, the pandemic is over. A lot of Democrats don't think it is, but it's over. People are driving. It's summer. People are going to be vacationing as best they can with prices as high as they are and gasoline as high as it is. So, I mean, demand, demand is higher. So you have to increase supply. If supply is low and demand is high, you're going to have increased prices. That's all there is to it. It's not rocket science. You don't need a PhD to figure it out. Even Biden can figure it out. He knows what he's doing. He's beholden to the environmental left, these communists in the environmental movement, worried about climate change and all this other nonsense. That's what's driving up the cost of a, a gallon of gasoline. They want prices high because it reduces consumption. If, if, if gasoline is 7 bucks a gallon, people are going to drive less. Makes sense. Makes sense to me. All right, if you uh, like this program, to hit like hit share, and please hit subscribe. We need subscribers. And uh, leave a comment in the comment section below and tell your friends about us. The BMG Network, some fine programming. Ken Burns with his show. Adrian Ross, my daughter, Madeline, with The Essentials, with Maddie Flint. And this program, Pac-Man, with me, Ted Flint. Some good programming, good columns up there for you under the PAC perspective. Check it out. The BMG Network, if you want to contact me directly, it's pacman, P-A-C-M-A-N, at thebmgnetwork.com, all lowercase. Thanks for tuning us in. And if the Lord wills it, we will talk to you soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG studio.